Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 85 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Just ten, just 15 episodes away from episode 100. Nate and Aaron here with you. Kyle was actually going to be with us today, especially because one of our topics has to do with ECW, but he is under the weather. He's got the, uh, the flu boos going on, so not able to join us on this edition of the show, but uh, we are happy. You got butt? You got what? Does he have mud butt? No, I think he's got the uh, the the hacky chest thing going on. I mean, maybe maybe he's got mud butt. I don't know, but he didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but this week on the show, we are going to uh, review WWF Super Tape Volume Two, which was actually a fan suggestion. And I hope I don't butcher that's your name. What's that? I was going to say that's. Uh a top five or top 10 that we could do at some point. And it's not a wrestling one, but it could be like the top 10 favorite, like Chappelle show skits. (laughs) That's what my favorite ones is Dave Chappelle's character in it. It's about segregation and everything. And he takes the first integrated shit (laughs) and he's a black man in like the fifties or whatever that takes the first shit in like the white only bathroom. And he's like, I had the mud, but <laughs> like, he had to go. So he was just going to go, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. I got to go. Cause I, I had the mud, but <laughs> so that's where I got mud, butt from before I heard the term mud, but I always called it bubble gut. <laughs> Super Tape Volume Two. We are going to review, which <laughs> was a <laughs> was a actually a fan suggestion. I don't. I hope I don't butcher your name, sir. Nick Opaluski uh, requested that we watch this. It is on WWE Network. Um, I, I think he's in witness protection. <laughs> Nick Opaluski. Yeah, that's a witness protection name. If there ever was one. Well, thank you, Nick, for suggesting that we listen, or listen. Before he witnessed the crime, his name was Frank Rogers. Frank Rogers of uh, Sycamore Street. Um, But Nick, thank you for the suggestion. Thank you for listening to the show, and we're going to review that. And we're also, as I said in my post a couple of days ago, I'm known known around here kind of typecast as a guy that doesn't like, Nate hates ECW. Nate doesn't hate ECW. Nate doesn't love ECW. So I decided that uh, we would 
we would do a segment where I had to say some nice things about ECW. So Aaron and I are going to talk about five things we liked about ECW. And also I want to just really quickly um, let everybody know it is coming this Sunday, the 19th of of January 2020. The live video, We Can't Wrestle live show, which is where we're going to start taking our talk of the modern product. One hour, every Sunday night. We're going to try to keep it to an hour, 10.30 to 11.30, Sunday evening. Talk about the week in modern product wrestling. And um, I'm also going to have to teach Aaron new technology to do this. Yeah, you're going to send me how to to do that app thing. So we are going to figure that out this week. And we will be live Sunday night. No questions asked. And for well, a few months, for a few months, and then my shoot job might move it to like a Wednesday. Because <laughs> daddy's got to make money, yo. <laughs> so that being said, we're gonna start out reviewing Super Tape, and um, then when we before we go to break, we'll do a Google Translate, and then before we leave, we'll do a Google Translate. We got a couple of those. Yeah. Coming up on the show, so, alright, Super Tape Volume 2, um, and I'm an ass, I didn't write down the uh, the date for this one, so I can quickly it's, look it it's up. It's whatever date you rented it from Big Choice Video. <laughs> this is true, this is true. Um, the, uh, the tape pretty much takes place going into WrestleMania 6, um, we'll put it yes. in that in that time frame. Um, we open with good old Sean Mooney. I loved Sean Mooney when I was a kid. He was the... And he's uh, surrounded by my favorite action You figures. know, it's funny, I have it written down here. Hasbro's bringing back the memories. Yeah, I said, my favorite action figures, I put bringing back the feels. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, some of you have seen... When I do the videos, or we did the video last week from the We Can't Wrestle Studios, I've got my Hasbros prominently displayed, wishing that I would have kept them in nice shape as a kid so I wouldn't have to spend all the money on the collection I have now, because back then they were probably like four ninety nine a piece. Hell, at one point at KB Toys, they were like 3 for 10 <laughs> And now yeah. some of them go for over $100 if they're on the card, yes. so... And and Mooney is like bringing you what's coming up on Super Tape, Super Tape. <laughs> they do that quite a bit. Yeah, Super Tape. But anyway, um, he talks about how they're gonna they're gonna do a um, manager's recap or whatever of Slick, <laughs> and they show like a very quick. Yeah, it's like they cut it. Like I noticed that too. When they get to that, like, it's like we're gonna talk about slick, and it's like burn it, burn it, and then they like, go right back to him, and I don't know why, but it made me laugh. <laughs> so the first match out the shoot, I didn't have a lot of notes about the match, um, other than it is the Macho King who has recently become king here in the WWF against the former king, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Decent match um, with. Uh, the amazing sensational Sherry on the outside, um, and yeah, I mean, good match. I don't. I didn't really have a lot of notes on the match, though. I have some notes. Okay. Um, for one, um, the Bigfoot of professional wrestling, Tom McGee, 
is one of the people carrying the sedan that Macho Man's on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the only two feuds that Jim Duggan ever had in the WWF that I enjoyed. Really? Yes. I enjoyed Macho King and Jim Duggan. And the other feud that Jim Duggan had in the WWF that I liked was his feud with Andre the Giant. But other than that, I don't have any time for Jim Duggan in the WWF. Hmm. Um, hmm. <laughs> hmm. I like this feud with Bad News. Nope. I like this little mini feud with Slaughter when Slaughter was the uh, the champ. Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, another note that I had was, and I've kind of always thought this because she looked like a lady that knew how to tussle. This was a pretty skimpy outfit that Sherry was wearing for 1990 WWF. You're right. It was pretty goddamn skimpy. (laughs) She was pushing the limits, limits there (laughs) with the boobies and such. I don't know. People might not think it, but I think Sherry Martell at times was a pretty good-looking woman. She was crazy hot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Sean Mooney, there's a purse shot in this match, all right? Sherry hits Duggan with her purse, and Sean Mooney goes, all Danny Davis knows is Duggan took some incredible blow from the Macho King. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he did. (laughs) Like, in the locker room. Don't get busted again, Jim. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, he probably said, Hey, Randy. You got some blow? <laughs> and Randy was like, oh, oh, yeah. Here you go. It's a cocaine joke. I know, that's why I said, Don't get busted again, Jim. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that'll blow your mind man yeah (laughs) freak out freak out (laughs) no confetti but we got cocaine you'll see confetti (laughs) you don't need it because your mind will make it yeah Mm -hmm. situations develop man (laughs) (laughs) so then savage is over tugging after sherry held duggan's leg this actually wasn't a bad little wrestling match. No, it was a decent match. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of notes just because it was it was kind of basic, kind of paint by numbers, you know, but nothing nothing horrible. Yeah, I gave it two stars. The next segment, we're going to go to a profile of one of my favorite tag teams ever, the Rockers, and uh, Sean and Marty. And I put... Oh, go ahead. Sean and Marty do the, uh, the old school, you know, logo in the background prom- promo... Um, I miss those. I miss that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, whenever I see that stuff, I just, I, you know, I get the, uh, I get, as you said about the Hasbros, I get the feels for back in the day when much simpler yeah. times, better times. Um, my note says, speaking of incredible blow, there's Marty Janetti. <laughs> Didn't he have a Facebook post or something a while back where he had cocaine on his nose or whatever? Oh my god, Marty, he can't even, 
begin to imagine the fucking road, the fucking rabbit hole you go down when you get look at Marty Jannetty's posts. <laughs> like, he's had posts that state, like, I had desperate sex last night, and then it just trails off. Like, what is he doing? Marty, you could have been. It could have been so much different for the man. Because you the, could have been a contender, Marty. Now we now we roll into what I wrote down was a great old school tag team match. Um, oh yeah, the Rockers and Powers of Pain. Who Powers of Pain to me are a team that don't get enough attention for how good they were as big heels. And everybody oh, yeah, knows. Barbara. Everybody knows Nate is a the the world. Me and Batista are the world's only warlord marks. But yeah, Barbarian also. Barbarian, jam. Yeah, I know. It actually says this in my notes. Barbarian is my jam. <laughs> and Hillbilly Jim and Gorilla Monsoon are on play-by-play. And <clears throat> that's a random note I'm going to put on this that I didn't realize it when I was little. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the WWF, okay, they put Piper on play-by- or commentary, you know? Yeah. And when he was in, like, Mid-Atlantic or doing whatever he did with, like, Gordon Sully or whatever. That, like, that Piper was great on announcing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in the WWF, that would be my least favorite thing that Roddy Piper did. Because he was a babyface announcer? Yeah. And, and... He was like, like when, especially when he was with Vince, because they were just trying to outdo each other. Right. Or, and, or when it was him, Vince, and Macho, even that was even yeah, worse. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 um, another wrestler that I was a fan of that they tried to put on commentary that I didn't enjoy was um, Jim Neidhart. I hated Jim Neidhart as a commentator. Me too. As far as as far as as far as a commentator goes, he brought nothing to the table. Yeah, but you you know who was really good? Hillbilly, Hillbilly Jim. Jim. He was. And, and like they should have done more with Hillbilly Jim. As like I'm not a Hillbilly Jim. I'm not necessarily a Hillbilly Jim wrestling fan. Like as a wrestler. But he's a good personality. Yeah, he's a good personality, and he was a good commentator. Like, they should have done more. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should have been, like, you know, commentating WrestleMania or SummerSlam, but they should have done more with Hoopily Jim as an announcer. You know who else was a good announcer? Um, side note, I guess, but we're talking about guys not being in the... that We're still able to wrestle, but being a commentator instead. He only did it for a couple of months before he left... Um, at either the end of 90 or beginning of 91, but there was a little bit there where they had Honky Tonk Man on commentary. I think he was yeah. on, he was on challenge, I think with Gorilla or I don't even remember, but anyway, he was on commentary for a bit and he actually did a pretty good job with it too. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Hillbilly, like he doesn't, uh, he doesn't make you want to not listen. You know, he's, he's yeah, he, like, like Piper and Nightheart. And Savage, I'm not saying they were terrible, mm-hmm. but they were still trying to put themselves over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hillbilly yeah. Jim didn't, like, put himself over. He actually tried to put the talent that were in the ring over. 
even even though Randy is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and one of my favorite interviews of all time, the only time, honest to God, the only time I really liked Randy on commentary, I thought him and Bobby had a good charisma together. Yeah. I always liked them together with Vince in the middle or whatever, but that was probably the worst. Randy Savage, too, was when he was in the booth. Yeah. And I also put on my notes that people who thought that the powers of pain were just big oafs in the ring should just watch this match. Mm-hmm. Because even Warlord, they keep up with these fucking guys. Oh, absolutely. It, it, this is a really goddamn good match. It is. And another thing I wrote down was, and this is another thing to hearkening back to, you know, stuff that's missing from the newer product that was in, it, just the way wrestling was presented and the way it was done, which to our mind, you know, maybe not to a modern mind, but to our mind is the way it should be presented. Uh, there was a huge pop just for Mr. Fuji using the cane on Marty Jannetty. Like, that crowd was pissed, and he hit him once. <laughs> you know, if somebody hit somebody with a cane yeah. once on modern wrestling right now, nothing, they would all just be sitting there still, looking at the ring. <laughs> in this match, Fuji gets one cane shot in on Janetti, and the crowd goes fucking berserk. Like, you son of a bitch! You know? And, I mean, that's, yeah. just, that's a testament to to the way the match was worked, the type of, uh, the type of great heel that Fuji was, and... and the way that wrestling was back then. And then the powers of pain beat him. <laughs> and it actually, like I said, wasn't a bad match. The only thing that surprised me was like, this was a video had the, a video having the rockers cutting a promo or whatever. And then they lose. Well, it's same with the next match. <laughs> Yeah, but they technically win the next match. Right, yeah, I guess you're right. Because the next match But is... I, gave, I gave that one two and a half stars. The next match is the Rockers against the team of... <laughs> the Mass... The... What did I... Oh, shit. I didn't write down what I called them then. It had something to do with the fact that they're both like barrel-chested guys, but I didn't write it down. Uh, Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine is a team. Um, Which I was like... Yeah. <laughs> this could have worked. <laughs> like, I might be the only guy that's like, hey, I'm a Dino Bravo fan. Like and me. I'm a Greg Valentine fan. Put them together. <laughs> I kind of like it. I like you know? it. Oh, I mean, they were the dream team. Part yeah. dudes. Now, there's a lot of guys out there that, that go on and on about... And I think it's guys just trying to prove a point or whatever, guys that were anti-WWF back in the day. But there's so many wrestlers where everybody's like, they always say, without fail, no matter who it is, they peaked before they went to the WWF. You know what I'm saying? You have yeah. those guys You have those guys who just absolutely positively will not give anybody anybody's WWF career credit. I've heard guys say... Randy Savage peaked before 86 when he went to the W. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, one guy I will say honestly I think did peak before the the, the WWF expansion was Greg Valentine. I, I Not that I dislike Greg Valentine in the 80s WWF, but I do think that, that 70s, early 80s WWF Greg Valentine and mid-Atlantic Greg Valentine are better than expansion Greg yeah. Valentine. But he's still a he great was. worker. 
Um, but he's still a solid technician in the ring. Mm-hmm. Never did anything that was fucking atrocious, right. in my opinion. And heaven forbid a guy that's been wrestling for, you know, you said the 70s. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the 90. This is 1990. So he's been wrestling for 20 years. He's put in his time. So heaven forbid he's going to, like, decide to make some money and maybe work a little bit of a slower style. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing, like, people say about, like, the bushwhackers. When they were the sheep herders, they were out there and they were cutting themselves and they were bleeding all over the place. And then they got to the WWF and they became cartoon characters. And they made more money than they'd ever made in They're their entire fucking career. Fucking that. Watch their shoot interview. They love Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Good for fucking them. Another one that bugs me is um, Coco Beware. Mm-hmm. People were like, Coco Beware was so great in Memphis. Yes, he was awesome in Memphis. That match where he beats the fuck out of that jobber, one of my favorite things <laughs> to watch. Okay? And he was a fire plug, and he was built like a shit brick house, and he was awesome. But, in the WWF, he might have got a little chubby, he might have got a little fat or whatever, but I never saw Coco Beware have a bad fucking match. Right. Yeah. He always entertained me. Like, I, I have no fault with these guys taking these paydays and basically having TV matches. Mm-hmm. And obvi- I fault them in no way. And obviously it worked because they made a lot of fucking money. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't go to work every day because, you know... I mean, not that I don't want to do good work. Not that I don't want to say people tell me I do good work. I'd l- I love to be told I do good work. But I don't go to get praised to do good work or I just stay home and do this all day. I go cuz I want money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go to work cuz I want to go to work. <laughs> and and I guarantee when Coco Beware walks into the Walgreens and somebody notices him, they don't go, "Hey man, that's the guy that beat the fuck out of that guy in Memphis." <laughs> when he walks into the Walgreens and somebody the notices bird him, man. Like, <laughs> bird man. Where's Frankie? Yeah, where's Frankie? And he's like, he dead. <laughs> Frankie be dead. <laughs> Frankie be dead. But then anyway, uh, we get this. <laughs> this this match has one of my personal favorite. That going back to my childhood, watching primetime wrestling every Monday night. This has one of my personal favorite underrated tag team com- or underrated commentary combos. Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes. I love they Sean Mo- I love Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes together. You could tell they just loved working together. Yeah, they were funny together. Um, and then we get some fucking we get some fucking Ronnie Garvin at the end of this because this is when he was doing his deal where he was a ref or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I I was gonna bring that up. Because I was like, oh my god. I looked at it and I was like, "This is, this is terrible for Nate." <laughs> I was like, "In the ring right now is Shawn Michaels 
and Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> it's Nate's favorite wrestler of all time. And Nate's least favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> uh, if Sean would have just barbershopped him, I'd have been happy. Yeah. So the next match... So I looked oh, at it sorry. as this. I was like, oh. I said, oh. I was like, I don't think there's ever been a time that I can ever say that I guess there could be. Never mind. You were going to say Garvin and Michaels in the same ring at the same time? Well, no, I was going to say like my favorite wrestler and my least favorite wrestler ever. But that happened, so never mind. I could say, like, my Refre- favorite... Refresh the listeners. I could say my... Well, because, see, your favorite wrestler and your least favorite wrestler are in the same generation. Like, I've never... Like, I can't say that Randy Savage and Spike Dudley were ever in the ring at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, go ahead. We'll, we'll skip past what I was thinking. The next matchup here... Is uh, is honestly is is thankfully short as it should be. This wasn't a match you wanted to go. This wasn't a match you would want to see go fifteen to twenty minutes. It was Hercules and Akeem. Now, oh, now here, now here's this, here's this was this was a match selected by Laura. Was I? I must this not, have, I must not have been. Match. I must not have been paying attention when Mooney was talking before this match. Remember, something. you could you used to be able to send a postcard in to Coliseum Video. Yeah, so they could get you could get on their mailing list. <laughs> yeah, but you could send a postcard in and and see your match. And Sean Mooney was like, Laura from Ontario has selected that her favorite wrestler that she loves, Hercules, goes one on one with Akeem. And Laura dislikes Akeem's dance moves. Oh, Laura, what's wrong with you? So then Shamuni goes, Sorry, Laura, Akeem has refused to talk to you because you disrespected <laughs> his dance moves. But here's Hercules, and then Hercules is like, Laura, I'm going to yeah. take out Akeem for you, baby. <laughs> you know, like... And Hercules is just being his... His slick ass, cool fucking <laughs> Jav talking Hercules. I love Jav talking Hercules. Me man. too. When he like at the Royal Rumble, and he was like, "It's all going down today. All these superstars are getting thrown out today." In that one promo at the Rumble, he says "today" like fifteen times. Yeah. <laughs> one now, of my favorite stories about Hercules, the Jim Cornette story <laughs> with the door, is where is where um um. Oh, that door story's great. Where him and his girl were like driving down the yeah, street, and then and he's just holding it, and Hercules is like it's a, a semi truck hit the door or whatever, so he's holding on to it. <laughs> I love that. And, and Cornette just sees Hercules driving down the street, like driving down the no road door. holding the door. <laughs> That's a good story. But my favorite one is uh, fucking Bruce Pritchard when they were talking about being in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You ever heard that one? think so bruce pritchard said that when you were in toronto you'd be waiting at the bus stop or whatever or waiting across the street okay 
And if you were like waiting in like the little cubicle thing or whatever, waiting like waiting, you know, at the bus station or whatever, and it was cold, there was a button that you could hit to turn on like a heater, and it would say push for heat. And Hercules was like, if you push this, there's a little midget come out and hit you with a chair. Because that could get you some heat, brother. That's a good wrestler joke. <laughs> yeah, that's a great joke. Now, something I wrote down about this match here. First of all, I'd like to say uh, I got to meet Akeem slash One Man Gang um, a few months ago. And he, I have, speaking of Hasbros, I have a Hasbro Akeem that I have signed now from Akeem. Um, I, I, I'm actually a fan of that guy. Um, and here's what I wrote down. Because this is this is this is essentially Akeem putting Hercules over. Because at this point, Akeem's kind of on his way out. You know, he's about to, to have that feud with Boss Man and then kind of be gone. Um, so he's putting over Hercules here. What I wrote down is, if you watch, Akeem is a big fat bump machine. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is bumping like a motherfucker in this match, like hardcore bumping. He's doing a great job putting Hercules over in this match. A fucking pro. <laughs> Definitely. But like I said, the match is mercifully short because no disrespect to these two guys, just their style. It isn't anything you'd want to see go for a really long time. Um, I didn't really have a lot of notes on the call the action thing because on these tapes, that's probably my least favorite kind of thing they did. I don't know. Just, it was stupid. Yeah. So I kind of, I don't know. I, I, did, I didn't ignore it, but I didn't put any notes down. But next we have one of my favorite tag teams of all time and another great tag team. It is Demolition and the Orient Express. Two great teams. Um, one of the, A couple of notes that I had about this, and then uh, I'll let you say anything you want to say about the match. The first thing was, they're talking, again, we're going into WrestleMania 6. Demolition is going to try to challenge the Colossal Connection for the tag titles. And they talk about three-peat. The Demolition's trying to three-peat. They're trying to be the first ever three-time tag team champions. Imagine nowadays if that was actually a thing. Because now everybody holds belts. You know, belts get traded back and forth. At this time, it was it was going to be history-making if Demolition could three-peat as the tag team champions. The other note that I yeah. had here about the match, other than it being a decent match, is... As I'm watching the match, I realize Demolition are baby faces in this match, and I think that the biggest difference. A lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about LOD and Demolition. Demolition were most definitely better as heels, and LOD were most definitely better as faces. So it was almost like the two teams could coexist if you wanted them to in the same promotion. Because I always prefer Demolition as, as heels over baby faces. Yeah. Their, their, their gimmick just, you know, I don't, I know Aaron agrees with me, I, I in no way see it as a ripoff of LOD either, or the Road Warriors, but. No, and I also put on my notes that, um, it actually says Demolition versus the Orient Express, which I like the Orient Express, it's, my notes say, um, Demolition over the Road Warriors. I enjoyed Demolition more than the uh, Road Warriors. Yeah, much more. I don't more. give a fuck who says it. Yeah, no, much more yeah. here, too. 
And they have one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have to say it, and it's probably, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to spit on their, whatever they're listening to this show on, um, but I don't even put, I like LOD, don't get me wrong, I like the Road Warriors, but they aren't even in my top ten favorite tag teams of all time. Honest to God. And I'm not hating, I'm just saying, I don't know. And But yeah, I definitely put Demolition over, over the Road Warriors. Um Anything else on this match? Um, I just know that it was not a terrible match. It was two stars. Um, it had a kind of a shitty finish because Saido threw some of that incredible blow <laughs> that um, Duggan took from Savage earlier into Axe's face. The one the, the, I counted out because he was like, "Oh, now I'm chasing the dragon." <laughs> the the one thing I'll also say here, and it's not in my notes, but you made me think of it when you mentioned uh, which. This is a tag team where um, the Orient Express is one of the few tag teams that, as time went on, and it had to like change partners or whatever. And I know it's because it's Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka who were a great team together before. But the Orient Express is one of those teams where the second incarnation is better, much better than the first. Oh yeah. You know. Um, and again, like I said, I know it's because they they were a great tag team in the AWA and stuff, and, and in Memphis. But yeah, that's that's one of those few tag teams because you know most tag teams you're like eh, the second. You know, the only other team that I don't know. So where do you where do you land on we're getting off topic but this our it's our show where do you land on the Midnight Express like is it is it Condry and Eaton is it Lane and Eaton what's your favorite Midnight Express me personally yeah it's Stan Lane and Bob Eaton me too and 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 that's not even and I know a lot of like even and it's not knocking Dennis Condry no no it's, not at all it, it, it's the style uh, and age of what I am. I am more of a Stan Lane style wrestling fan than Dennis Condry. Mm -hmm. And I'm not at all discounting Dennis Condry. No. No, me neither. At all. Me neither. But I'm I'm a bigger... and, and and, And the other reason I'm a bigger Stan Lane Bobby Eaton... Midnight Express fan is because when it was Cornette, Condry, and Eaton, it was just Cornette cutting the promos. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed like Stan Lane introducing Jim Cornette, and it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just a bigger fan of it. Me too. Um, So now we have. uh... Well, I I was going to. I have something in my notes, and I'm going to. I'm going to say it, even though I like the guy, but I like the other guy, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Fuji talking shit always made me laugh. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, you were just talking about, like, the mid, like, the Condry, like Bob Eaton, Stan Lane, 
Bobby and Midnight Express. Do you know what Mr. Fuji was? Like in comparison and it wasn't the same era, but it was kind of the same situation as the NWA. What's that? I think Mr. Fuji is the Paul Jones of the WWF. Oh no. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Paul, uh, Mr. Fuji is the Paul Jones of the WWF. As the guy, he he cut terrible promos, okay? (laughs) Just terrible. Like, Mr. Fuji's promos made no sense. The only thing Mr. Fuji and Paul Jones have in common is they both manage the Barbarian. (laughs) They, They... both had a cane. <laughs> they both cut shitty promos. They both managed some of the worst guys in the fucking territory. <laughs> okay? And you took the worst guys in the territory other than Demolition. And the Powers of Pain. T- and, and the, the Powers of and Pain. And the Orient Express. Any, a- anyway... You took some your of the worst falling, guys. Your case is falling listen, apart. <laughs> listen. You took some of the worst individual acts. Put them with the worst promo guy <laughs> and got it out of the way in the same segment. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess. I'm not on board with this at all. Like, if you look at all <laughs> the managers in the WWF, I love Mr. Fuji, okay? <laughs> but he was terrible. <laughs> he was just a terrible promo guy. Great just job horrible. <laughs> just horrible. Like, even when he managed good people, he was terrible. But they kept him around because he was such a good guy. And everybody loved having him around. But when you put him on camera, he was just fucking terrible. He was so bad it was good. You know, let's talk about See, that's some why topical he's, stuff. That's why, that's why he's not Paul Jones. Because Paul Jones was so bad he was bad. I hate Paul no, Jones. No, Paul Jones was so bad he was good. No, he wasn't. Like, <laughs> I enjoyed Paul Jones because he was so bad. I hate his stinking guts. Like that guy, that guy used the podium as a punctuation mark. If you watch when Paul Jones is like on WA, on the NWA, he'd be like, Let me tell you something, Jimmy Valiant. We're going to take you out tonight. And then he'd hit it. Like, I am. And. Mr. Fuji is the Paul Jones of the WWE. I am in total disagreement with this. That's fine. But, you know, you try to say that, uh, um, Fuji managed demolition, you know? Yeah. So that made him great. Okay, well, guess who Paul Jones managed? He managed the Mustache World Order, Manny Fernandez and Rick Rude, who were a fantastic team. And that's about fucking it. Other than that, he had what? Pez Watley. He had 
Um, the end of Baron Von Roschke. I'm just saying, had... promo ability and just ridiculously bad compared to everything else. Manager-wise, Fuji is the Paul Jones of the WWF. Hmm. No. <laughs> you know that. You know that GIF of Tracy of Tracy Morgan just going, no, no, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's fucking Fuji. <sighs> okay, so the next match is. I mean, there isn't a lot to say about it other than it's a really good technical match. It's Bret Hart against Rick Martel. You know, the only note that I really have other than... There's two notes that I have about this match other than it being a, a really good technical match from real, two really good technical wrestlers was Gorilla Monsoon caught a Russian leg sweep and neckbreaker during this match. Bret does a Russian leg sweep and Gorilla's like, that's a... What a neckbreaker from Bret the Hitman Hart. And I don't know if the guy was a photographer or a ring guy or what, but there was a guy outside the ring looked like George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> but other, Maybe I mean, it was George Lucas. <laughs> uh, he, they're like, Star Wars? No, that's World Class Championship Wrestling, George. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. We got <laughs> WrestleMania, bitch. Uh, did you have any notes? Like, I didn't have any notes on the match. I just put good match, you know, as expected. It was a good match, but it I don't like time limit draws. Mm-hmm. That was my only thing was it was a uh, like what would it have what would it have hurt for Brett to beat fucking Rick Martel or vice versa, you know? Because at yeah. this point, Rick Martel had kind of sort of just gotten into the whole model character. You know, it's yeah, not gonna Brett hurt. It's not gonna hurt. Still fucking in a tag team, basically. It's not gonna hurt. It it's not hurt. gonna hurt Brett for him to put. Martell over. But you're right. Yeah. But I mean, they had a good match. Um, the next match is actually, I was surprised. No, 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 Sorry. We need to talk about something next. Hmm. We need to talk about the manager. Oh, feature. yeah. I, did, I didn't write it down because it's not there. Was yeah, it, it is. Was it there for you? The slick thing? Yes. Holy shit, it's did, on there. Did they play the whole thing? No, but they played enough of it to be fucking awesome. <laughs> it was They only played like 30 seconds of it. Like, I didn't understand. I know, but it's Slick and Akeem in the ring. <laughs> and Slick and Akeem are dancing and they keep reversing it. You didn't see that? I did, but it looked like it was like fucked up. Like, I didn't... I felt like it was no, gonna be... No, they, they played a little bit of the song... But they just kept reversing forward, reversing and forwarding Slick and Akeem dancing in the ring. And if you look at the jobber in the background, it looks like he's getting it with him. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. See, I thought it was a fuck up. I was like, they must have edited this out of the because I figured it, I thought it was going to be longer. So I thought this was like a fuck up of some kind. No, the fact that it was short, sweet, and to the point, <laughs> and showed those guys, like, dancing. Oh, it was great. As a side note, and you just said something about the jobber in the ring. Looked like he was getting it. <clears throat> you know, I've had um, a bit of uh, 
Uh, I'm watching stuff from, I think, like, 83, 84 right now on the network. And you know what's really, uh-huh. you know what's really funny in Mid-South? It's especially funny because it's not the original music, but it's funny just in general. Have you ever noticed... Watching people get, what? Watching people get into... Um, JY, um, JYD? JYD's music? Yes, but, no, one person in particular... Because probably about out one, out of one out of every four of JYD's matches, Reeser Bowden gets it. Like <laughs> he'll be he'll be in the ring like like bobbing his head and stuff, and it's like, oh look at Reeser Bowden getting it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Reeser Bowden looks like one of those guys that would play one of the Golden Girls' random boyfriends on their show. But anyway. The next match I put, I was expecting this match to be better than it was. Because you have Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ravishing Rick Rude in a steel cage. I enjoyed the match. I didn't care for it. But that's all I wrote down. I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I couldn't get into it. I don't know why, why. I love both of these two guys. But um, for some reason, this cage match just did not do the did not do the trick for me. And I like I, I, I liked their feud match, but that's okay. Then we we move along to the stupid. The w- blooper thing was yeah. fucking stupid. It was stupid because it wasn't even bloopers. Like it was just. <laughs> Okay, so they mixed in some... It was Sean Moody pretending to fall down and... Yes, and then they mix in... They mix in the... And it's not that it's not great shit. They mix in the Heenan and and Gorilla at Bush Gardens stuff, which is fucking amazing stuff, but those aren't bloopers. <laughs> I do love it when they're on the boat, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's all good stuff. But it's not bloopers. Yeah. It, it's... It's WWF 90s kayfabe bloopers. <laughs> and now the, the main event, unless you had anything else on that stupid bloopers segment. Nope. I, said, I said stupid bloopers. <laughs> um, the main event of the tape is uh, actually a pretty decent tag team match. You got the baby faces Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Mr. Perfect and the Genius. I want to say as a side note that to me, one of the coolest things when I was a kid, because even as a kid, even though he was the heel, I was a mark for Mr. Perfect. And one of the coolest things to me that for some reason just always disappointed me that it was never a bigger thing was the Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect feud. Yeah. And, you know, where Perfect, like, busted up the belt with the hammer, and Genius got to beat Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's main event by count out, and um, they integrated into a Royal Rumble. And I think it was, it, it was essentially Perfect was the heel keeping Hogan hot, heading into face baby, uh, baby fa- heading into the babyface, babyface warrior match. But, I love the Hulk Hogan Mr. Perfect feud, and as a matter of fact, I know you're not a big fan of Beefcake, but the Beefcake's feud, this Beefcake as part of this feud, going with the Genius thing, I always thought was probably my favorite Beefcake stuff, other than Beefcake beating Henning at WrestleMania. That's bullshit. 
But anyway, um, I thought this match was good, and I think maybe it was more, maybe I was just looking back on it with, with you know, kid-colored glasses. Yeah, well, I'm about to send you some. Okay. Okay. It's what you said you missed, and you got to watch the job. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. Keep talking. But, I mean, I don't know if you disagree with me, agree with me. This was just, this match, it was your, pre, it was your basic Hogan match, but I think it had a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, so maybe that's why I really liked it a lot. Maybe it, uh, was, well, maybe it wasn't it, as great it, as I thought it was, you know, but... Um, no, it was a fun match, and, and I'm not going to discount three of the people in the match. <laughs> These cakes suck dick. But that motherfucker was over. <laughs> but he still sucked. <clears throat> All right, so... Super Tape Volume 2, Nick Opelouski, thank you for submitting that as a review for us. I appreciate it. It was a great, it was a great watch. And uh, overall, out of five Jeff Farmer yeps, I give this home videotape three and a half yeps. I gave it two and a half yeps. So now... Did, you, did you get the video I sent you? I did. I will watch it when we go to break. Okay. I want to hear your reaction as we go to break. Well, during break. Okay. So what I will say, I put this actually. I did, I gave it more than two and a half. When I go to my notes, it goes, "This was a decent super tape. I'll give it three out of five stars." And in all actuality, WWF 1990 had a pretty solid roster. Indeed. Indeedly doodly. So I guess before we go to break, we'll do our first Google Translate of the show. Ooh, I gotta get that ready. <laughs> Are we doing yeah. your song or my song? Because I'm going to be surprised by your song. I don't even know what your song is. It's up to you. I don't run this motherfucker. Let's do mine I first, then. Here. We'll end it with yours. We'll end the show with yours. So we'll do mine first. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I picked Rick James... Super freak. <laughs> now we'll see how long this is funny. <laughs> Which this surprised me that you picked this. Really? Yeah, I didn't think a super freak. I I like to pick so. songs whose lyrics will be funny said in this voice. That's why I usually okay. pick like hip hop songs or something like that. Let's see what happens. Super freak, Rick James, Google Translate. She's a very kinky girl. <laughs> The kind you don't take home to mother, she will never let your spirits down. Once you get her off the street, she likes the boys in the band. She says that I'm her all-time favorite when I make my move to her room. It's the right time. She's never hard to please. That girl is pretty wild now. The girl's a super freak, the kind of girl you read about in the new wave magazines. That girl is pretty kinky. The girl's a super freak. I'd really like to taste her every time we meet. She's all right. She's all right. That girl's all right with me, yeah? She's a super <laughs> yeah. freak. Super freak. She's super freaky. Super freak. Super freak. She's a very special girl. From her head down to her toenails, yet she'll wait for me at backstage with her girlfriends. In a limousine, three is not a crowd to her, she said, room 714. I'll be waiting, 
When I get there, she's got incense, wine, and candles. It's such a freaky scene. <laughs> that girl is pretty wild now. The girl's a super freak, the kind of girl you read about in the new wave magazines. That girl is pretty kinky. The girl's a super freak. I'd really like to taste her every time we meet. She's all right. She's all right. That girl's all right with me. Yeah? Yeah. She's a super freak. <laughs> like a super freak. She's super freaky. Super freak. Super freak. <laughs> Temptation sing. Oh, super freak. Super freak. The girl's a super freak. Oh, she's a very kinky girl. The kind you don't take home to mother. She will never let your spirits down. Once you get her off the street. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> the kind you take it. <laughs> Or, uh, she's a super freak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Google Translate, bitch. <laughs> That's why I thought you picked it, because she was like, yeah. <laughs> I know you like when she's like, something. It's a question and it shouldn't be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a super freak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm right. an ass man. Yeah. I'm yeah. an ass man. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take our break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about five things we like about ECW. Here you got to watch. Okay. Here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll be right back after this. Alright wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We have reviewed Super Tape Volume 2. Thank you, Nick Opelouski, for recommending that we review that. And thank you for listening to the show. And uh, viewer listener participation has uh, grown by leaps and bounds the past few months. And I appreciate that on the Facebook group. If you have not yet joined our Facebook group, please do so. Join the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. I've been giving shit away for free page so stay tuned for that bullshit (laughs) and um also stay tuned again like we said at the beginning of the show this sunday the 19th of january 2020 starting a new chapter in the we can't wrestle family it is we can't wrestle live it's going to be a live video stream that will stream to our facebook group our facebook page and our YouTube channel, which I'm going to get back up and back up and running this year, so stay tuned for that as well. That will be where our con- our conversation, mostly our conversation, unless we want something really big to bring up on the uh, the podcast of new product, will can will uh, happen. Now, one thing I did want to ask you, Aaron, real quick: we're about to talk about ECW, and ECW was different yeah. back then. It was different. Uh, it was something that was much different than the rest of the wrestling product that's out there. So something that's different that I want to ask you about, just real quick, your opinion. What is your opinion of Impact crowning Tessa Blanchard as their world champion? I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. I was just trying to get back into the modern product, and I have some e- I have some Impact DVR'd. I'm not going to watch Impact for our modern well, product. I'm not going to comment on something I haven't watched. I, I'm a firm believer that I can't – I'm the type of person that says I can't like something or dislike something until I watch it or okay. until I taste it or until I try it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than skydiving and 
and like having something in my butt. <laughs> like those two things, I know I don't like them. Like I'm not going to enjoy that because even though I haven't tried it, but I know I'm not going to jump out of a wor- perfectly good working plane. Like I wouldn't enjoy that. And I don't want anything up my butt, but I won't say, you know, I don't like this until I see it or try it. So once I watch a couple episodes of it, I won't say I disagree with it. Well, I respect you for watching Impact. I don't watch it anymore. So if there's anything to be Do you know, I have a question for you. And I posted this on a on a page, and I asked this question. I do have this question though. Do you know what Tessa Blanchard's favorite show is? I saw your post, so I'll let you tell the listeners what your punchline is. It's the Deuce. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'm not going to fault her for making money. (laughs) Not at all. All Alright, so the conversation now shifts to ECW. And like I said, I wanted to come on the show. And say some positive things about ECW. getting bombed here by the go ahead wrestling thirteen year old me was like fuck yeah man now see here's the thing here's the funny thing <laughs> We said five things, and now you played that, and I gotta say a sixth thing because the, the ECW theme is like as cool as the Gangrel theme. Like whenever it's on, you bob your head. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're a little older than me, so that might be the the difference. But like 13 year old me, when you could find that opportunity to watch that tape or get that little glimpse of. You were like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like, I, I, like, every Monday I'm seeing, like, you know, fake Razor and Diesel. And, and then I get a little, I get a little glimpse of, like, fucking Sabu or something. I'm like, yeah, this is fucking great. <laughs> and I want to start this off by saying. It's like that Elmo meme. You know, where the fucking atom bomb's going off and, like, Elmo's all surprised or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, 13-year-old you seeing ECW for the first time. You're like, this is fucking fantastic. Well, and that's something I want to say is that if you ever listen to the show and you listen to my opinions on ECW, I don't hate on a lot of ECW before 96. Um, because 94... Through ninety four ninety five ECW is probably my favorite part. My favorite part of that show, you know what I mean. My favorite part of that promotion, ninety four ninety five, I like it. It's different um, sometimes, and, and it's probably because it's on the network uh, with the music and everything. Sometimes on the network, it's hard to watch. 
Um, but that's my favorite. That's my honestly my favorite time of ECW. Um, so, uh, do you want to start or you want me to start? Because I don't have these in any particular order. I just wrote down five things that. I just did the same thing. I just wrote down five things that I liked about it. So I'll start because I want to give love to the uh, to the EC dub. The first thing I wrote down, the first thing that came to my mind, and I've talked about it on the show before, is to me, to me personally, my favorite, my absolute honest-to-God favorite thing ever in the history of ECW are the Mick Foley anti-hardcore promos. Oh, those are fantastic. It's some of the best shit ever done in wrestling. Um, especially when he's on the music, the amusement park ride with his kids. <laughs> he's like, we're hardcore. We're hardcore. And, like, he's going by. And then when he tries to put on his glasses... I really like the Christmas wishes too. Yeah. But yeah, that whole that whole angle. Um you know, the Uncle Eric stuff and that's my favorite in the entirety of that promotion. That Foley stuff is my favorite stuff. Yeah. And um something that they didn't do that I wish they would have done was what was in his book. Where he was talking about, um, like, I see you in the locker room and you unfold your legs and Tommy's sitting on top of you and all that. And he's talking about the chair. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You remember that? It was Buck. Like, that would that would have been really cool. And I, I liked when, just, yeah, any, like, the ATM Eric, like, Uncle Eric thing where he, like, Took off the shirt and he had like the Dungeon of Doom shirt on underneath it. <laughs> it. Yeah, fucking. There's, there's almost never been, to me. His feud with Mike, like even his feud with like Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, like there, Foley and ECW is fantastic. There has almost never been, and I don't want, I don't know, like, and maybe it was just that crowd or whatever, but. There's almost never been in the history of wrestling, and again, this is me putting over ECW people. Um, there's, has there ever been somebody that generated as much heat from a certain segment or a certain audience than he did during that time period? You know, not like a he, single promotion. Yeah, he had atomic. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was trying to say. He had atomic fucking heat. Like, be like him. In ECW, okay, mm-hmm. and then probably um, Rick Rude in WCW. Yeah, Rick Rude had Atomic Heat in WCW, and Savage and then, Savage during the Hogan feud. Well, I was gonna say even more than him, probably Jake in the Randy Savage feud. Yeah, when he smacked Elizabeth. Yeah, those would be, be the three like modern. Time, like when people knew wrestling was fake, you know. Right. But this shit might be real or whatever. It would be like those three, in my opinion. 
So I don't know if that one was on your list. It wasn't on my list. Um, and even to that extent, Mick did fantastic when they brought it back. Because he could have been... Like, I know like when they did the one night stand, the first one, he was a commentator on it or whatever. Right. But when he got in the ring, he could have easily allowed himself to be a baby face in that situation, but he made himself the heel and teamed with Edge. You know what I mean? And was like, we're going to pay homage to the great leader of ECW, Stephanie McMahon. And then during the match, he's like, we made a mistake. And then during the match, was like, this was a bad idea. (laughs) We made a mistake. Go. You know what I mean? (laughs) So even then, he knew... I'm going to be the anti-ECW guy in this situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We say a lot of things on the show about Foley's ego and etc. But the guy has a mind. He has, he has, and anybody that's a real, real student of the game will know what I'm saying when I say this. He has a Fit Finley grasp on wrestling psychology. Knowing, the, the, only, the only time Foley ever steps on his own tail is when he over he overcompensates himself for some reason. I don't know I don't know what it, it is. The craziest part is he tried to be the least hardcore when he was in the most hardcore promotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he he knows how to be different than everything that's around him. Yes. Like when he was in the WWF and WCW, he was like, you know, this is cartoon or these guys are having great wrestling matches. I'm gonna throw my head through a box. <laughs> and that's what he did in WCW. He goes to the WWF. There's guys that are dentists. There's guys that are fucking garbage men. There's guys that are pirates. Okay, I'm going to be insane. I'm going to be crazy. He goes to ECW. All these guys are doing all this crazy shit. Okay. I'm gonna put on a dungeon, do- a dungeon of doom shirt, and put somebody in a hammerlock for 20 minutes. And what made it even better was, he was the guy that who they were all emulating. Yeah. You know, these guys all want to be like me. Well, I'm gonna be different than these guys because they want to be like me. <clears throat> so yeah, you're right. I mean, he has a knack for finding, or had a knack for finding whatever would make him stand out from the crowd in said promotion. Yeah. So what is the first one you have written down on your list? The first thing on my list is Pulp Fiction. So for those of you that are not familiar with uh, with the way ECW's show rolled out, what Aaron is referring to is the, um, the theme song that people familiarize with Pulp Fiction, the movie. ECW would play that song and then loop together their promos for the show during probably, you know, I'd say five to ten minute segment, usually at the end of the show, sometimes in the middle. Um, but you just get all your promos and your your storyline advancing promos, I guess I'd say. And all just straight in together. Yeah, just all one together, all together. 
sometimes they'd have, you know, say they'd start with Tommy Dreamer cutting a promo about Raven, and then they'd jump to, uh, to Shane Douglas talking about Taz, but then they'd go back to Tommy Dreamer talking about Raven. It, 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 was, uh, it was a unique way of presenting your stories and your promos during the show. And it, it would usually end with the same person that it began with or with the person that that person was feuding with and then would end with, after that, like whatever the upcoming show was. Mm-hmm. And it was just a fantastic way to promote what was going on on the show and would do... And would put out there what ECW did best, or had best, was like their personalities. Something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I might, I might not want to watch, and I, I shouldn't say I might not want to watch. I don't want to watch a blue meanie match, <laughs> but I wouldn't mind watching a blue meanie promo. You know, or whatever. But I want to. Like, Pulp Fiction was great because it just combined everything together and gave you a 10-minute synopsis of what's going on with this insane fucking place. <laughs> like, this is fucking insane. And now we're going to give you 10 minutes for these 12 guys to tell you what the fuck is going on and what has them pissed off. And if you can watch them, watch them. ECW is almost a show I recommend people watch on YouTube. Because on the network, it's hard to watch sometimes. Like, the the Pulp Fiction music on the network is terrible. <laughs> and it distracts from the segment. So if you can watch, if you're going to watch ECW... Whatever episodes you can find on YouTube without the music edited, I, I recommend that. I don't know if you agree with me, Aaron, but sometimes it's just with the music, it's hard to it's hard to watch. I just try to blend it out or block it out, whatever you want to say. So the next thing on my list is I like anything in ECW where I get to see Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka work together. I knew that would be on your list. <laughs> Aaron and knows I, me too well. And I didn't put it on mine. That's why I didn't put it on mine. But that's the last great thing of ECW. Yes. Those two guys, both great performers. Both great strong style performers. Bringing it to the States. And I want everybody that's listening to this show right now to watch every match you can that Mike Awesome is against Masato Tanaka. Because it is never fucking bad. Those guys, that's so. I, I, and there's a lot of professional wrestling on tape from the 1960s all the way to today. <clears throat> Excuse me. But watching Awesome and Tanaka wrestle is some of the most real looking shit you'll ever see. And it's not, it's not, um, what do I want to say? It's not like. Nothing is nothing is for the sake of, of a high spot, or nothing is for the sake of a reaction. If In one of their matches, if somebody goes through the table, you have built to that in the proper way. If in one of their matches, somebody gets like, fucking superplexed to the outside of the ring and hits the mat at full force, 
there was meaning by like the matches. Their matches are some of my favorite matches ever. I love the. I, and it's funny because I'm not honest to God. I'm not a gigantic Mike Awesome Mark. I like Mike Awesome, but I'm not a huge Mark. But I love Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka together. I think they are magic in the ring together, or were magic in the ring together. I agree. And JBL says what during their match at Lat Lat or at a one night stand? Mike Awesome jumps over the top rope, <laughs> and he goes, "He has the flight path of a couch." <laughs> It is. <laughs> so unless there's anything else on that, what's next on your list? Um, I liked that ECW would acknowledge feuds slash titles from other promotions. At the time, that was I, different. I know it's stupid. It might not sound extreme or whatever, but I I I like when a wrestling promotion will do that. Like, somebody would come in, like an Arn Anderson, and they would say, this is, because Arn Anderson did compete in ECW, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. They'd say, this is Arn Anderson, and he is a three-time world television champion and a two-time WCW tag team champion or Shane Douglas would come in and they'd say Shane Douglas was the WCW slash NWA tag team champion with Ricky Steamboat. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying. Now, what I will say to that... that... Go ahead, sorry. What what I will say to that as a caveat is do you think that that was... Do you think that that was more a revolutionary thing or do you think that was more because essentially ECW is an indie and indies do that to get people to watch their shows or come to their events you know because well, we, we go to it, an indie is, show we, we go to we, we go, I like about ECW right but we go to an indie show and they're like Jesse James is going to be here a former WWF tag team champion you know I'm just I and I no I'm not saying I'm not I'm saying is that, do you think they did that because it was a revolutionary thing, or do you think they did that because it was an indie mindset, is all I'm saying? I just think they did it because it worked for them, and and honestly, EC, people can say what they want to say about Memphis, and I love Memphis, mm-hmm. okay, I do, and the more I watch it, the more it grows on me, and the more I like it because it's all over Amazon. It's my favorite which is out there. Just you can watch so much Memphis on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's a reason to keep your subscription. Um, I just and and see, I I put slash titles, and you didn't hear the other part of it was. They would also take feuds from other companies. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that. Like, they would they would take, like, um, like when Arn Anderson came in there, like, Arn Anderson shows up and 
Now he's pissed because Bobby Eaton's come to ECW now and he wants to stop that. You know what I mean? Or, um, like they would sometimes they would take off of what other promotions did that would come into their promotion and then they would utilize it. Right. And I enjoyed that. Because other companies wouldn't do like WCW wouldn't do that. WWF wouldn't do that. WWF and, definitely wouldn't do that. Yeah, really wouldn't do it. Another thing, and I didn't lump it in here, but I will now, is like a guy would come in and they wouldn't change shit about him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Except the fact that now he's a bad guy. Right. You know, or he's a good guy now. He's a bad guy or he's a good guy. <laughs> and they would utilize whatever came from that promotion, the big promotion they came from, into their little world. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense, but they would, they would acknowledge shit outside of what ECW was. Right. And I kind of, I, I actually enjoy that. They kind of, um, in that respect, that was something that they, to me, they kept from the the way Indian Territory Wrestling was back in the day. Um, like you said, just to acknowledge this wrestler's coming in, this is what he's done, you know? And and I, I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah. So the next thing for me... Is and and a lot of people might be shocked by this, but Aaron won't because he knows that I always dug this guy. Um, anything involving James Mitchell, because to me, yeah. that guy is somebody that I guess I can see other than maybe with Russo's WWF. I can see honestly why he never made it on Vince's TV. But I think if he would have, he would have caught fire. Because I think, I, I always thought that James Mitchell... He actually did catch fire in his <laughs> real life. In the Richard Pryor way, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I always dug James Mitchell. I thought that, that he was super different. Um, like, almost in the way that the the satanic Kevin Sullivan was super different in the early 80s. And I actually liked his little group with the Jerry and, and Mikey Whipwreck. And Yeah, he did he did kind of the ninety nine two thousand version of like what I was saying with um Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Where at the beginning of some of the pay per views he'd he'd like, you know cut it all together and tell you exactly what was going on in the show and then he'd and then the pay-per-view would start or whatever. Right. And I always thought that <clears throat> with him, his talent was terribly... He's one of the guys that I would say that his talent was terribly misused in WCW. Um, they cast him as James Vanderberg. They put him with Wrath and et cetera, et cetera. So he was on the TV, but I think that they really... Uh, to use an expression, they cut his nuts off in, in WCW. Um and, yeah, I mean, I just, again, I just always thought the guy was a really good talent and different. And and when I saw him on TV, I was intrigued. 
And so anything ECW ever did with James Mitchell, I liked. I like James Mitchell. So what is next on your list? Next on my list is the ECW was not scared to try new shit. And where I'll say this is that you can say what you want to say about WCW. You can say what you want to say about WWF in like nine from like 95, both companies. Okay. From 95 to like 98, both companies, whether they want to admit it or not, stole different type of things from ECW. Mm-hmm. Where ECW wasn't afraid to try new shit. We're okay. We're going to bring in Rey Mysterio and Uvitude Guerrera and let's send them out there. Or Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and let's send them out there to do some shit that American fans have never seen before. Okay? Right. And the 600 people or the 1,000 people in that building were like, holy fuck. To the point where Eric Bischoff was like, okay, I'm going to scoop them. All right. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the WWF side of it, it's like, okay, we're going to take um, this blood and guts type deal or whatever. And then the WWF was like, okay, we're going to scoop that. ECW, whether WCW and WWF, want to admit it or not, stole a ton of shit away from ECW. And I'm not saying that they were wrong to do it. I'm not saying that they were right to do it. But every time Eric Bischoff goes, I never took Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit away from ECW. He's lying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He 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 took those guys and he gave them the opportunity to actually make money. And he gave them contracts. And when he says, hey, I told Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, come out of that bingo hall and I'll pay you money to where you'll have a steady contract week to week to week to week to week. He's right about that. But he would have never picked up on those guys if they wouldn't have been in ECW. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and their shit WWF did <laughs> that they never would have picked up on if this person wouldn't have been in ECW. You know what I mean? Al Snow. <laughs> Al Snow. Um, who else was there? I don't know if... How to... And I might be reaching on this, and I know it took a minute to get there, but honestly, if, if Steve Austin would have never went to ECW... Okay? If, if Steve Williams, the man, would have never went to ECW and been able to show the personality that he had there, 
And I know it took him a minute to get to Vince for Vince to see that. Would he have ever got there? I think so because of Jim Ross. Well, I, I know. Like, I know Jim Ross liked him, but would it have been the same type of Steve? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like Jim Ross had seen Stunning Steve Austin. So if 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 Steve Austin, the man, would have never been able to cut that, you know, you sit there, you put your goddamn ham sandwich in your metal lunchbox, <laughs> and you, chunk, you know that promo I'm talking about? Yeah. Like if Steve would have never been able to cut that type of promo, would anybody have ever known the guy was capable of it? To where you would have had a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. So in other words, because on ECW you were allowed that creative freedom. Yeah. So what I will say to that, and I'm not, I'm not discounting what you're saying. I agree with you. But what I will say to that is, in ECW you could have that kind of freedom. At, but it, to me, a lot of that comes from... I'm trying to find a way to put this, because I'm not. I, in no way am I trying to shit on your your point. ECW could do stuff like that because they were literally the company that had nothing to fucking lose because they didn't have anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like WWE and, and WCW couldn't. I mean, they could, but they're they're thinking in a bigger more corporate environment kind of thing. I know, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Steve Austin... Like, if Steve Austin would have went from WCW as being stunning Steve Austin, to, okay? To WWF as the ringmaster. And, and... People... <laughs> and he would have never had the opportunity to even record something like that. You know what I mean? Nobody would have ever seen it. You know what I mean? Like, if he would have just... If Steve Austin would have just went from WCW, stunning Steve Austin, gets fired, and then goes right to the WWF, nobody would have even known or seen, hey, this guy's capable of this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they typecast him as this guy that can't talk, he would have been put with Ted DiBiase. The ringmaster thing would have floundered, and they would have never been able to go back and look and say, "Holy shit!" The six months, the six months this guy was in Philadelphia, I watched five or seven promos that he did there that were fantastic. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I because he would have never had the five or six months to do that. Mick Foley left WCW. Went to ECW, did those fantastic anti-hardcore promos you talked about, and then he went to the WWF. He would have never been, nobody would have been able to see what he did there because that would have never existed. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. That that's what I'm driving at is the ECW wasn't afraid to just fucking try shit. WCW. The WWF, at the time, were afraid to try shit. Yes. There was this little fucking promotion 
that didn't give a fuck. <laughs> and they would just do shit. And you could not tell me, even though Eric Bischoff and Vince, Vince McMahon will say, we didn't steal ideas well, well, uh, honestly, from ECW. Honestly, bullshit. Honest, they stole a lot of shit from them. Honestly, more and Eric. I, uh, honestly, more Eric than Vince. It's funny because in this respect, as much as Vince, during especially his boom periods, wanted to ignore other promotions, I honest to God think Vince gives ECW more credit than Eric does. And he does. I think Vince deep down likes Paul Heyman. <laughs> oh, he loves him. <laughs> Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon are kind of the same guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're loud, they're obnoxious, and they don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. <laughs> and, but what, just what I'm saying is that either one of them that try to say that ECW had no influence on the ideas that we had, bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. And I'm not even saying that ECW was the greatest thing on the face of the planet. But there's a lot of shit that started there that trickled off into other companies. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. That, that nobody else would else nobody else would have tried if it hadn't happened there first. Like Steve Austin would have never been given the opportunity to be Steve Austin if he wouldn't have had that chance in ECW. Because nobody would have ever seen it. He would have went from he would have went from WCW as being stunning Steve Austin, and then he would have went to WWF as the ringmaster, and the ringmaster would have not gotten over, and then he would have got fired. And it would have been his fault. <laughs> yeah, it'd have been like that guy doesn't have it. So, the next thing on my list might actually surprise even Aaron. So this one might surprise you. May, it might not. I don't know. Um, but one of the five things I really like about ECW is Jason. Jason? He wasn't on my list, but Jason was awesome. He was. He was like... First of all, in ECW, he was one of the few constants in ECW. Like oh, he from, was there from the beginning? Yeah, from beginning to end. Up. He was an amazing, like, shit heel. Um, and you know what my favorite Jason things is? The Mr. Hughes thing? Well, that's fun. I, you got money? <laughs> that but, thing, like, I, I love that. <laughs> I like when he was just like... Talking shit to Taz, and he was like, "You're just a monkey man," or whatever. And like, then like Taz like bit his face. <laughs> like Taz called him a monkey, or he called Taz a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he called Taz a monkey person or whatever, and and like, yeah, like I, yeah, Jason was great. And he's like, he'd be like, "Do you like my suit?" Just all the shit, and then when Joey would be like, "Gives me hives, gives me hives." Jason, Jason was Jason's character 
to me was what, if it would not have times been watered down, what the model Rick Martell gimmick could could have yeah. been. Yeah. You know, and not that the model Rick Martell. I I love the model gimmick. I love I love Rick Martell in that role, but being able to be. You know, like, uh, but one thing I'll say about ECW, like you were saying earlier, is the handcuffs are off. You know, do what you do and let's see what happens. And that was, to me, Jason was, um, was definitely, um, he was what that model character could have really been if they would have went balls to the wall with it. Yeah, and this might not sound... When I compare this, when I compare the Jason character and the history of Jason to ECW to this person, at first you're going to be upset, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you hear me out. You know what I would almost compare Jason to? What's that? In ECW. If you would compare it to like the big time WWF, you know what it would be? What's that? Jason was almost to me like the Bobby Heenan of ECW. You know what I thought you were going to say? What? Early Shawn Michaels heel. No, I think he's the Bobby Heenan of ECW. Make that case. <laughs> That he was consistently there mm-hmm. all the time. He was normally involved in the main events, fucking with the main event superstars, mm-hmm. and would usually get the shit kicked out of him. But he was always there, and he was always a constant, and he was always in. Like, the antagonist. Right. One of the main eventers. You know know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Bobby was always in the WWF, and he was always involved. Always in the mix. Always in the mix. And he might have not been managing the world champion at the time, but he was usually managing the Intercontinental Champion or the Tag Team Champion. And that was what Jason was doing. Right. He was usually managing the television champion or the tag team champions. Or, and, and he was always involved. And, and like I said, he wasn't as, like, I'm not saying he was as funny as Bobby Heenan. And I'm not saying he was as talented as Bobby, Bobby Heenan. But to me, he's like the Bobby Heenan of ECW. Right. And he could have, I think... Um, given the, like, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the, sorry, I was, sorry. I was going to say he could have, um, given the opportunity, which he was not ever given that opportunity, um, been, he could have fit into, obviously it would have been a bit watered down, but he could have fit into like early nineties, early to mid nineties, WWF, you know, somewhere where like Scott Levy, Johnny Polo. You know, with the Quebecers yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like I actually dig Jason. Um, 
Oh, I love Jason too. So, I would like how he'd be like. He's he'd say a bunch of stuff, and they'd be like, "How do you feel about my suit?" <laughs> like that would just crack me up. Yeah, like he... there was an instant, like an ECW thing where, like, where he called Taz a monkey man. He's like, "You're a monkey man," or whatever. And then he was trying to apologize to Taz, and he was like, "I understand. I understand that that." I like he was like apologizing to him in the hallway, and then the Tasmaniac at the time had like Jerry Curl, and he was, you know, the Tasmaniac, mm-hmm. and he whipped his head, like the Tasmaniac was gonna try to accept the po- the apology, and he whipped his head, so he but he splashed all his sweat, and that's when, when, Jason was like, ugh. You just messed up my suit. You just messed up my suit. I always, always knew you were just an illiterate monkey. And that's when Taz, like, bit his face. This fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you just messed up my nicest suit, you be- illiterate monkey. The best thing about it was the suit had no shirt. <laughs> yeah. Jason was awesome. And, but that's that's what I was trying to say. Like that guy went from like 1994 all the way to the end of it. Yes, he did. <clears throat> all right. So what's next on your list? I have one more. I have, I have two. All right. Um, one is a person. The other one is a feud. So do you want the person or the feud? Go with the feud. The feud. Is Raven versus Tommy Dreamer, which was essentially for two years what everything in ECW revolved around, and that's why I put on it that shit spun out of it. Mm-hmm. Like if anything was involved in ECW, it was because it came out of Raven. Versus Tommy Dreamer. And it was so believable because it was like, if if something was, if something was real and all of these guys were in a locker room, it would be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... Like, two guys would start feuding out of that, and then it would spawn off into this, and then it would spawn off into that, and then it would come back to it, and then it would go away from it, and then it would go back to it. It was just fantastic. <clears throat> but yeah, it definitely for the, for probably a two-year period, for what would you say, 95 to 97, that was probably the, if you want to compare it to something, a figure of speech. That, that feud was probably the spine of ECW. Now, my, my last one is a feud as well. A rivalry, if you will. If you will. As Dusty would say, baby. Um, and it is the rivalry, the matches, anything involving Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn. Yeah. To me, there's no Fantastic. denying, yes, 
fantastic matches. The rivalry was a a really good old school wrestling rivalry. Um, they didn't try to do the thing I liked about those guys in ECW was they didn't try. I don't want to say this because sometimes I liken I liken ECW to Rob Zombie movies. In that, <clears throat> me no like Rob Zombie movies. Well, here's my thing about zombie movies, and, and I'm a bigger horror movie fan than you are. Um, but and that's my thing about Rob Zombie horror movies is Rob Zombie horror movies at times to me feel uh, well no all at all times like they're trying so hard to be controversial that they just get silly. And sometimes you know I, my favorite horror movie of all time is? What is it? Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone 2, actually, because at that point, the, the, the child, child Protective Services should be called on these parents. <clears throat> but... The first Home Alone is dark, man. It is. It's some violent shit. And it's great. Um, but... At times, ECW, to me, one of the biggest things, and it's it's much like those Rob Zombie horror films, is it tries so hard to be controversial that it's it gets silly. And the reason I like RVD and Lynn, much the same reason I like Awesome and Tanaka, is it brings it back to, this is just an old school, honest-to-God wrestling rivalry between two guys who are peers and both great at their craft and are going to compete for a championship and have fantastic fucking matches. RVD, to me, Jerry Lynn is RVD's greatest opponent ever. And vice versa. Like, I don't think that those two guys in wrestling, and I love RVD, and I love Jerry Lynn, but I, honest-to-God, don't think either one of them ever did better work than they did with each other. And I agree. And and see, that's, like, and I'm not trying to be, like, the huge ECW defender, you know, but that's one of the things they'll say about ECW is, like, people talk about the blood and guts of it, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the stuff people remember about it. But, and that's because that's the most, like, visually... Holy shit, insane stuff on it. Right. But like but like when you would sit down and watch like an ECW card from like nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety five not everything was blood and guts. No. You know what I mean? Like there'd be shit where you'd sit down and you'd watch it and you might see like a Sandman match. Where he fought, you know, Terry Funk, and it was violent, you know? But then right after that, you'd get, like, you know, holy shit, the Steiner brothers showed up. And now they're going to fight, you know, Two Cold Scorpio and somebody. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, now they're going to... Or you'd get fucking... Um, okay, the Sandman is going to wrestle... Fucking, um, I, I know this didn't, this wasn't necessarily a thing, but like 
Sandman's gonna wrestle Hack Myers, and it's gonna be violent as fuck, you know? And then right after that, you're gonna get Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero. Right. And that's where I think ECW gets a bad rap at that era, is because people talk about the blood and guts shit, because that was what was memorable, and that was what was in the magazine, because the magazines wanted to sell, you know, magazines... Like, I, I think there's a lot of things in ECW that get glossed over. And they do. And, and the last thing on my list, because you don't have any more on yours, right? I do not. The last thing that I think gets glossed over a lot in ECW... Are you ready? I'm ready. Is... Joey Styles. Joey Styles. Joey Styles does not get enough goddamn credit for the fucking talent that he was. I agree with you. I think that, um, I think Joey Styles is because of the fact that he could call a an entire okay Joey Styles could call an entire wrestling show by himself and there's only a couple of other commentators that I've ever known that could do that one of them is Gordon Soley okay I guess I'll say he's one of the only guys that could call a wrestling show by himself and be good and passable and the only other couple that I can think of, and it's not even Jim Ross. It's it's Gordon Soley and Vince McMahon. And they called shows. <clears throat> like our shows by themselves. Joey Styles could call three hour fucking pay-per-views by himself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Three hours. And not stop. Unless the only time Joey stopped was when he read that, okay, the crowd's going to react to this. I don't need to speak. Right, I don't need to be screaming or talking or anything. Yeah. Like, this guy just went through a table or this guy just did this. The camera's going to pan. I don't need to speak now. Right. And he was he was funny when he needed to be. He Like you mentioned would, when we like you mentioned when we talked about Jason. <laughs> like Jason would come on and he'd be like, oh, oh, I got hives. This guy." Yeah, like, like yeah, this guy gives me hives, you know. Or like I don't I don't think like, I've heard people talk, and you might smack me for it later, I don't know. But, like, people talk about, like, the the, the Mount Rushmore of whatever. Mm-hmm. Joey Styles would be on the Mount Rushmore of my wrestling commentators. And he's, he wouldn't be on mine, but I'm not going to hate on you for it, because I, I, totally, I am totally in agreement with you about his talent. 
Um, like, I've never heard Joey do anything that I didn't appreciate and enjoy. The only time Joey ever did anything, has ever done anything that I, I did not, or, hmm, the only time that he's ever done anything that I rolled my eyes for would be something that every single guy that would be on my Mount Rushmore of announcers has done, and that is when it's something stupid or hokey, you know? And but but at the end of the day, that's something they're being told to do by their boss. So I would not hate on him for it. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he I mean, he about anybody. He wouldn't. Be. I'm just saying, like like him commentating and just being Joey Styles. Joey Joey Styles is as good as any other wrestling announcer you want to hear. And I'm not going to disagree at all. And. Again, he wouldn't be on my rush. Nine one one choke slammed Santa Claus, and Joey Styles said, "I didn't even know nine one one was Jewish." <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines any commentator's ever said. <laughs> Loved it. And like I said, he wouldn't be on my Rushmore, but that's not a hate on him. That's just because there's four four guys. I mean, lots of guys have called wrestling. There's just four guys that that I would that I would put over him, but um, I can see why you would say that. So I'm absolutely not hating on that comment at all. Um, Joey was um, again. We talk about the spine, you know. I talked about about Dreamer and um, and Raven being a spine. We talked about um, Jason being a constant. I think you could say those two, both of those two things about Joey too. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's Joey's like, the vocal, Joey's the vocal cords of the ECW. Good call. Good call. So I think this was a good discussion. Paulie's the brain. Paulie's the brain. Joey's the vocal cords, and like I said, I mean. <laughs> And just look at the guy when he went to like the WWF or the WWE. Mm-hmm. He went there, the WWE. He didn't miss a beat there. No, he didn't. You know seem what out I mean? Like even when he was there, he was fantastic when he was there. Mm-hmm. Like he should still be there. Well, you know what I mean. But the thing is about you know. He's actually not there, not out of their choice, but out of his choice. He decided yeah, to do his thing. Saying, like, so they like, obviously recognized his talent. Yeah. But I just, I think Joey Styles is an, an underappreciated and underrated fucking person. In the entire realm of wrestling broadcast. Like, not like obviously in the ring, just the presentation and the broadcasting of professional wrestling. I think Joey Styles doesn't get enough credit. And I will not disagree. Stocky Balboa. So I think we've had a good, decent discussion of ECW, and I think that. Um... Well, you can tell me, Aaron. Do you think that during this presentation, during this conversation, I may have dispelled some rumors about the fact or about how much I hate "quote unquote" ECW? 
Uh, I think you were okay. I just... Guys, Aaron and I both, and Kyle, we're Monday Night Wars. We're, we are 80s and 90s wrestling kids. And I just happened to, you know, the three big promotions during that time were WWF, WCW, and ECW. And ECW is just, out of those three, my least favorite. Now, what I will say is... Out of a lot of, if you, if you, if you sum it all up, out of all the territories, promotions, everything, in the grand scheme of things, I don't rank ECW as one of the worst. It's just that era that we seem to talk about the most, it's my least favorite. So, but I want to give some love on e- love to ECW on this week's edition of the show. And, um... Now we will go to our final segment of the show, and it is more of Aaron's Google Translate. We did Super Freak earlier on, which I think turned out pretty good, don't you? Yeah, I think that was, right. I think that was a, good, a good Google Translate. So what have you picked for the listeners before we sign off? Well, I'm going to play it. You ready? I am. Roll another blunt. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. La la da 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 da. La da da la da da da. La da da da. La da da da. I was gonna clean my room until I got high. I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. My room is still messed up, and I know why. Why? Man. Yeah. Hey, cause I got high because I got high because I got high. La da 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 da. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on. Y'all, check it out. I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. I am taking it next semester and I know why. Why? Man? Yeah. Hey, cause I got high because I got high because I got high. I was gonna go to court before I got high. I was gonna pay my <laughs> child support, but then I got high. No. You wasn't. They took my whole paycheck and I know why. Why? Man? Yeah. Hey, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high, la da 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 da, I wasn't gonna run from the cops, but I was high, I'm serious, man, I was gonna pull right over and stop, but I was high, now I am a paraplegic, and I know why, why, man, yeah, hey, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high, la da 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 da, I was gonna make love to you, but then I got high, I was gonna eat yo pussy. Too, but then I got high. Now I'm jacking off, and I know I turn this shit off. Yeah. Hey, cause I got high. Keep going, because I got high. Ey. Do that over again, because I got high. Come on, man. Come on. La da 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 da. I messed up my entire life because I got high. I lost my kids and wife because I got high. Say what? Say what? Say what? Say what? Now I'm sleeping on the sidewalk and I know why. What, man? Yeah. <laughs> hey, cause I got high because I yeah. got high because I got high. La da 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 da. I must stop singing this song because I'm high. Present tense, baby. Oh, I'm singing this whole thing wrong because I'm high. Bring it back. Bring it back. And if I don't sell one copy, I'll know why. Why? Man, cuz I'm high, cuz I'm high, cuz I'm high. Are you really high though? Man, la da 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 la da 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 la da 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 he really is high. Man, shoop shooby do wop get jiggy with it, skibbity bebop diddy do wop. The 
That's fucking insanity. You know <laughs> You know what's really funny about Google the Google Translate thing? Because it's so matter of fact. Well, that and because it'll have shit where it's supposed to be a question, but it doesn't come <laughs> off as a question, but then it'll have something that's supposed to be a statement, but it comes off as a question. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little Afro man there. Here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. So, Aaron, are you ready for We Can't Wrestle Live coming up on Sunday? Yeah. I am too. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited about what 2020 is going to bring for the future of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And um, just really excited. I mean, I want to try to, uh, in 2020, get this show to heights it's never been before. And um, also the Motley Soup. And just make this shit work. Make it better for you, the listeners. So join the Facebook group if you have not yet. Um, Get out there, let fans, let your friends know, your friends and family that are wrestling fans know about the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And um, before I start playing Mr. Jolson, Aaron, is there anything you else you have to say on the show this week? I do. Okay. I do. I have something I have to say. All right. Break me shit. You're just waking up in the morning. Gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No barking. From the dogs. No smog and mama cooked a breakfast with no hog. I got my grub on. <laughs> but then pig out finally got a call from a girl. Want to dig out. Hooked it up on later as I hit the. Want to dig out. Thinking, will I live another 24? I gotta go cause I got me a drop top. And if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light. Looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. And. Everything is alright. I got a beep from Kim and she can fuck all night called up the homies and I'm asking y'all which park are y'all playing basketball. Get me on the court and I'm trouble last week. Fucked around and got a triple double freaking brothers everywhere like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day. Drove to the pad and hit the showers. Didn't even get no static from the cowards. Cause just yesterday, them fools tried to blast me, saw the police, and they rolled right past me now. Flexin'. Didn't even look in a nigga's direction as I ran the intersection and went to Dollar Whore Dog's house. <laughs> they was watching yo, MTV raps, what's the haps on the craps? Shake em up, shake em up. Shake em up, shake em, roll em in a circle of niggas and watch me break em with the 7. 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, 7-Even back do. Little Joe, I picked up the cash flow, then we played Bones. And I'm yelling Domino, plus nobody I know got <laughs> killed in South Central LA. Today was a good day, left my nigga's house paid, picked up a girl, been trying to fuck since the 12th grade, it's ironic. <laughs> I had the brute, she had the chronic, the Lakers beat the supersonics, I felt on the big fat fanny, <laughs> pulled out the jammy. And killed the poonanny, and my dick runs deep, so deep, so deep, put her ass to sleep, woke her up around. One, she didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube the top gun, drove her to the pad, and I'm coasting, took another sip of the potion. Hit the three-wheel motion, I was glad everything had worked out, dropped her ass off. Then I chirped out today, it was like one of those fly dreams, didn't even see a berry flashing those. 
High beams, no helicopter, looking for a murder. Two in the morning, got the fat burger, even saw the <laughs> lights of the Goodyear blimp and it red ice cubes, a pimp. Yeah, drunk as hell, but no throwing up. Halfway home and my pager still blowing up. Today I didn't even have to use my AK. I got to say it was a good day. Hey, wait. Wait a minute, full stop the shit. What the fuck am I thinking about? <laughs> First of all, one of my favorite hip-hop songs ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so now I'll but play. It's, uh, it's funny. <laughs> we're going to go from uh, Super Freak, Afro Man, and Today Was a Good Day, <laughs> to Al Jolson. <laughs> <laughs> so, in all seriousness, anything else you want to say to Ice our Cube, listeners? Ice Cube's a pimp. Ice Cube is the man. <sighs> I'm going to start Al Jolson. One of my favorite, of my favorite things is... I love SVU, mm-hmm. and I love Ice T on SVU. It's fantastic. It is. He's great on there. <clears throat> All right, I'm rolling. Oh, good. Yeah, Wait a minute, I'll tell you. All right, hold on. So I want to thank each and every one of you, and Aaron does too, for supporting the show. And let's get it going hardcore in 2020 with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Al Jolson in the background. Next week's just my top 50 wrestlers. Yeah, we didn't hype that shit. Aaron has a list of his top 50 wrestlers of all time. And uh, starting next week, we're going to do five of, a of week. My, of my favorite time. Like, so it's from like 1989 to like 2007. And it's going to be amazing. Five a week. It's going to be amazing. Obviously, it'll be amazing because I picked them. And we are going to make the culmination of that, obviously, probably during episode 100, which I plan on being a really long episode of the show. So look forward to the beginning of that next week. Aaron's top 50 of all time. Of all the times. Aaron, say goodbye. But on this episode, I was gonna tell you about. I was gonna tell you guys a joke about my dick, but it's too long. <laughs> I have forty fucking seconds left in this song, so we're signing off. We'll see you next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Thank you for joining us. We love each and every one of you.